Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. You can also check out all the interviews and shows on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Our last few episodes are getting a lot of positive feedback. Interviews with Hip Hong, George A. Carvalho, and Oliver Knott. So thanks everybody for tuning in and sharing with your friends. The holidays are right around the corner, so Sean and I got together today to discuss our virtual Christmas list of items for somebody who's serious about aquascaping. So what would be the one item that you would want from Santa for the holidays? No price limit. What would that be? Go over to facebook.com slash aquascapingpodcast. I'll pose the question there. Leave your comment in the comment section below. So what size aquarium would you go for a serious aquascaper that wants to be in the hobby for a while and get something that's going to serve them well over time? What size would you go with? If you're a non-competitive aquascaper, I think a 60 centimeter tank can't be beaten. Absolutely. And I I completely agree with you. I would suggest the same thing. It's one of those tanks that there's enough volume, enough space to you can do a lot of things in it. And it's not too big to where it's a bit daunting to rescape or to do other things in it. So it's one of those those size of tanks that's going to keep you busy. You're going to always be able to do something new in it. You can keep up with maintenance a lot easier. So I think those 60 centimeter tanks are great. And those Ultim Nature Aquariums, you got one of those. Um, that's what I'm, I have been eyeballing since you bought it. <laughs> it's oh. killing me. I really want one of those. Uh, they got that extra two inches of depth front to back uh, over the ADAs. And they're priced, I think, nearly the same. Oh, man, I just love that extra depth. You can just do so much more with it. So yeah, I agree with you. If you're in the United States, you can get that to the UNS uh, 60U. Or if you're over in England, George Farmer has his, which is the Aquascaper, the Evolution Aqua, the Aquascaper series AS600. So that's similar. I think that one's 60 by 50. Uh, whereas yeah, the- and the one advantage I think those have is that you can get a you can get a stand. Right. And I really, that's the thing that's really hard to find in the U.S. if you're getting these these tanks designed for scapers. Right. So what would you do if you got the 60U? Uh, I don't think, that, yeah, they don't have a cabinet specifically designed for that. So what would you, uh, what would you do? You're, would you go the route of building your own? Yeah, I'd probably build something. I, I've been looking at a tool set. In fact, that's kind of been my Christmas wish list was the set of tools I need to start putting some cabinets together. <laughs> What substrate would you go with for this uh, Christmas tank, we'll call it? Well, I, I always recommend uh, ADA Aquasoil. I mean, the price per volume is competitive with every other kind of planted tank substrate out there. For me, if you want a really good substrate, there's no reason not to get Aquasoil. Right. And I I definitely can't disagree with you there. So I'm going to go with the same thing. So the next step would be hardscaping material. And I think I would say a mixture of Siriu stone and manzanita wood. But what would would you pick? You know, I would get Manton stone just because I can't find it or get a hold of it ever. (laughs) Uh, It's beautiful stone. It's super expensive. You can find it. So if Santa was dropping off a box of rocks... Um, I would want Manton stone. Absolutely. Uh, but you need a lot of it to make good scapes. And that's kind of the thing is it's hard to find and it's hard to get a lot of it. I really like hornwood. 
It's very similar to uh, Manzanita, but I like the features of kind of a, a more weight to the driftwood, and Hornwood definitely has some more weight to it. Uh, those are the pieces of driftwood that I really like, as opposed to some people go for those kind of branching and spindly and twisting pieces of wood. Right. I'm not a big fan of branch wood, so I really wouldn't be happy if Santa threw some branch wood down my chimney. I wouldn't, I would take it, of course, but I would have said, hey, I asked for hornwood. And I think it's interesting that aquascapers are probably the only group that would want a box of rocks and a, a wood <laughs> from Santa Claus. I don't think there's any other group that would want that. So I guess we're unique uh, in that sense. Um, we do all kinds of weird things, I'm telling you. All right, so here's here's a big one is, is in terms of equipment goes. I think for a lot of people, sometimes this is a deal breaker, and that's a CO2 regulator. Would you, If you're setting this up for somebody else, and they're a serious aquascaper, they may be, this may be their first time, but they're planning on being in it for a while. Would you start with low-tech, or would you go straight into uh, high-tech with CO2? That's a good question. So I'll refer back to my friend's setup, and originally when we were setting it up, we are going to go this kind of low-tech, non-CO2 route. But for me, the benefit of CO2 is just so phenomenal that it's really hard to overlook. And I had an extra um, regulator kind of lying around because over the years I've collected kind of a couple low-quality regulators that do the job, but they just are a little more finicky or for various reasons I, I upgraded. Do we want to name some names here? When you said uh, some lower range regulators, wh- which ones were yeah. you referring to? So I used, and, and I, I he's still using it. This, this regulator is four or five years old now, and it's an Aquatech regulator. It's a flow regulator. So basically it just regulates the flow of the gas and you use a needle valve to um, set the bubble rate. And so that, that made it difficult to use with atomizers. That's one reason why I changed to a pressure regulator because I couldn't increase the working pressure. And sometimes it wouldn't work very well with uh, atomizers if they were starting to get a little clogged up or older. And it's a good regulator. I think, uh, I mean, like I said, he's growing a nice tank with it. And it's just one of those things where some lower grade regulators, you got to watch out as the tank begins to empty um, because that bubble rate's going to change. And if say if you don't have surface skimming, you can get a build up a gas really quickly if you had it, you know, I had a clear surface previously or something like that. You can really find a buildup of gas when it shoots off like that. As far as the quality stuff, I mean, the, the where I got my quality regulators was from Greenleaf Aquariums. Um, that's who I refer people to if people are asking me because, I mean, the builds are really solid. They have a huge range of options. So, you know, from if you want to spend so much money, you can get different options, different uh setups and then you can go all the way up to this big fancy dual stage regulator and you can throw on like a a five bubble counter manifold i mean you can go hog heaven on that thing if you want to and the other side of it is the the support for the regulators is really great i remember i had but i had a solenoid go out in one and all i had to do was contact them and they sent me a solenoid and that was great because if you're running a tank that needs co2 you want that fixed as soon as possible if it's not working. Right, absolutely. And I agree. They have awesome customer service. And I, I use them as well. I have a GLA Grow CO2 regulator, which I think is one of their base models. 
But even in their base model, it's great because you can expand on it. You can just add uh, another manifold and you could run two tanks off of one regulator running different bubble rates. So for somebody who is serious about aquascaping and wants to be in it for a while, would you recommend to just go right for something like Greenleaf Aquarium setup? You know, just go for the highest quality that you can afford as opposed to introducing yourself with maybe a lower end one and then upgrading later? Yeah, I think so. Because if you're serious about it and you know you're going to be doing it, that money you spend on the lower grade stuff is money wasted eventually because eventually you're going to replace it. All right, cool. So we're setting up, uh, you know, this kind of virtual 60 centimeter, which is if you're in the U.S., that's about 20 gallons. Everywhere else, that's about 75 liters. And let's move on to filtration. And if you were just to pick one, I'm, I, I'll, I can say I'm using the Fluval 206 right now on the 60U. And it seems to be at this moment right now, it seems to be working perfectly uh, fine. It seems to be enough flow and all that. I have it paired up with the power head um, and it seems to be plenty of filtration. So I, I'll say a Fluval 206. If you had to pick one, what would you pick? Well, I have an Eheim 2215, so when, when I eventually uh, get that 60U, because that is happening, I really want one of those, uh, I'm going to use my 2215, the Eheim, okay. definitely. Cool. Let's move on to uh, what would be the next step. I guess it would be lighting. We got to get the light sometime. Yeah, you got to get the light. What would you pick? If, if you had to na- uh, say a name brand, this is something you would set up for yourself or someone else who's serious and wants to be in it for a while. What light would you go with? What I recommended my friend get is one of the uh, Fluval Aquaskies. Uh, they have another light that ca- came out just recently, a newer model. I think it's the Fresh and Planted 2.0 or something like that. Right. What I like about those lights is they're dimmable. And so you could put a really low light tank together, dim it down, and grow you know nothing but ferns and anubias over a sand substrate, or you could turn it up and do something with a bunch of stems and and say an HC carpet and something like that. So I really like that versatility. There's a couple of other LEDs out there that I think are really really great. I have an Aquasky, the ADA one on my 30 centimeter cube, works really well. Grows plants very nicely and it's kind of that mid ground where there's a lot of versatility to it i just can't dim it down if i want to do all low-tech plants i need to get some stems in there otherwise i'm working with a little too much light i think i'm really curious about this uh the twin star led that came out it looks it looks pretty sexy uh i haven't seen one yet i haven't seen a lot about it but i will be able to kind of have a first-hand account because i wanted to get that for my 45 centimeter uh aquascape so I got it. It should show up actually today. The snowstorm we had recently delayed that, so I can't say much about it yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. That might be another great option too for someone who's looking to do a lot of aquascaping and growing carpets and things like that. I think that would be another really good option. Right, definitely. Yeah, and, and I'm still running my DIY setup and I'm looking to upgrade. So again, it kind of goes back to that thing where, you know, if you get everything just right in the beginning, yes, it's an investment. Yes, you're going to probably spend a little bit more, but you're going to have it over time. And I actually really like that idea of getting everything, including plants, which I guess we'll kind of go into next, you know, getting things that you can reuse over and over and over again. And I love that idea also with plants, getting a series of plants that you can use in a bunch of different styles and just 
you know, get them all going and then just reuse them over and over and over again. And you never have to actually really invest in plants uh, much at all, unless you want something a little bit different in the future. So if we, if we were to pick some plants uh, for somebody who wants to be in it for a while and maybe just wants to kind of buy maybe once and go through two or three different scapes, what would those plants be for you? So for carpeting plant, I think it's something like... Uh Eleocaris bellum, and then uh, I think the Hemianthus Monte Carlo. They look really good. They're not too terribly tough to grow. Um, so that's what I would recommend as far as a carpeting plant. And then find yourself a good couple Rotala species. You know, get the green. I think the Rotala green or get something that's uh, a nice leafy green stem that works as a good filler it doesn't necessarily draw a lot of attention um, but gives some height to escape it responds well to trimming it's pretty easy to grow and then find something for some color of course right and there's lots of options out there and i would pick something easier i think it's the ludwigia uh, mini super red it's available in tissue culture by a lot of different places that's an easy to grow pretty red plant as long as it's healthy um and you're you're in good shape i think and of course, you know, a moss. Mosses are always very useful. Uh, a really easy moss to grow that's pretty easy to get a hold of is Fissidens moss. Uh, that's one I've had forever. I've hardly ever had to buy it because it's always growing on something somewhere in one of my scapes or tanks. And it's crazy to, about this moss is I've had it on rocks and then the rocks have gone away for a year. And then they were put back in a, a tank and it sprouted out again. It'll do that on wood. Wow. It doesn't die. So Fissidens is a good moss to start with. It's not as versatile as some other mosses like Christmas moss, which you can use in a different ways. Um, so that's it. I think just a few stems, one good color stem, good carpeting plants, and a moss. Right. And I have to agree w- with you. Monte Carlo is awesome uh, for carpeting. It's really easy, and it works really well with grass. I love dwarf hair grass no matter what style it is. Uh, I just love that that flow that it gives Rotala green, easy to grow. It looks really well. You can learn all about stems using it. It's it's not very difficult. It's really easy to propagate in a moss. You know, I'll say Christmas moss. You know, uh, so I'm right on the same page with you. I think that's those are great choices. And maybe the one other thing I would add would be Hydrocotyl Japan or Anubias bonsai as well. What setup or what style of fertilizing would you go with if you're thinking long term? Long term, I think you should really look at DIY fertilizers. Um, for a 60 centimeter, it wouldn't be cost prohibitive to buy some kind of a commercial brand like, say, the CKM Aqua Vitro line. I think that would be just fine for a 60 centimeter tank. But the DIY fertilizers, super cheap. I mean, you could spend maybe $50 to get started. Less than that. Less than that, yeah. Um, yeah, like maybe 20 some bucks, I think, actually, to yeah. get all of your fertilizers. And they'll last you for the year or more. I mean, some of these things will last you for years and years. Yeah, definitely. I, I go with estimated index as well. I got my estimated index, um, I guess, materials, you could call them, or supplies from Greenleaf Aquarium when I got my regulator. So I was able just to get both of those in the same place. And I think it cost me 20 something dollars. And uh, I'll probably have enough for over a year. And that's from initially running a 10-gallon tank, but that was only for a few months, and then moving up to a 20-gallon. So I'll have more than a year's worth for $20, and I'm growing everything great. So you can't go wrong. It's really easy. Just look up, you know, the doses that you need, and, you know, you're pretty much all set. As you gain more experience, you could just tweak it in either direction. 
How about stocking stuffers? I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, say one of those really nice curved set of long scissors for for trimming Monte Carlo. That would be my stocking stuffer. What what would you pick? Yeah, I think uh, that S-shaped scissors are awesome for trimming carpet. You need one of those, otherwise you're gonna be doing some like you know some contortionist stuff trying to get into angles and trim <laughs> down a carpet. Right. Uh, one of those. I think the uh, the spring scissors, the ones that kind of bounce back, those are awesome for trimming moss or shaping uh, stem bushes after you've done kind of a good initial cut because you can kind of just go along like you're clipping a hedge. And then a really good pair of pinsets, uh, the thin, skinny uh, pinsets, really, really useful uh, for planting all kinds of things. All right, that's it for this week's episode of the Aquascaping Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Check out all the episodes at aquascapingpodcast.com. Send in your comments and questions to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get all of the episodes and interviews at iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Everybody.